As I mentioned last week, we're starting a new uh, theme, a new series today, which is going to go on for the next uh, few weeks uh, leading up to Easter. And we haven't kind of left behind Kairos. Um, it's been a, great, uh, been a great series, and there's been lots of good feedback to that. And I know God's been speaking to a whole number of people through that about God's appointed time with Kairos. And we still believe that as a church, we're, we're in a Kairos time, a church is across the world. We're, we're, in a, we're in God's appointed time and a Kairos, a Kairos time. So we're not leaving all that behind. Okay, we're just kind of, just, just, just kind of changing the theme a bit. But continue to keep the Kairos stuff in your heart. Amen. God's appointed time, what he's desired to do in, in your life. So we're going to start a new theme. This, this theme is called uh, Pathways. And about pathways that, that lie in front of us and choices that we have to make. And we believe this is, a, this is a Kairos word for us as a church. This is a God's now word for us. Amen. As we talk about pathways. Okay, it's on the screen. Okay. As we, as we talk about pathways and what that, and what that means and, and how it outworks in our lives. So just going to start expanding on that. So today's a bit of an intro and then be the next couple of Sundays as well. It's a bit of an intro uh, to it all. So you may be thinking, what does that even mean? What, what, what are you referring to when you talk about pathways? So I believe it's a Kairos word for us as a church, a Kairos word for you. Amen. So let's apply these things to our lives. Now the Bible has a lot to say about pathways and the road that we take in life. There's loads and loads of scriptures that we could use that talk about uh, a path or, or a road or a journey that we're on, that we're on as, as believers and the choices that we have to make along, along that journey. You know, there, in the Bible, there are many times where God actually led his people on a physical journey, wasn't there? You see that over and over again when that actually happens, where it led them, led them to go on a physical journey to go to the destination that God had purposed for them and where he was leading, leading them to. Now, a few examples of that would be Abraham, of course. In Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, or Abraham as he actually was at the time, by faith Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And you can read all about that in Genesis, of course. And how Abraham was, was, was called and called to go from, from his place. And, and, you know, and that was all part of God's promise that you know, the whole world was going to be blessed through him and his descendants. And was called to go to a different place. Amen. And that was kind of you know, fulfilled as the Israelites end up in the promised land. And ultimately fulfilled in, in Jesus because we're all spiritual descendants of, of Abraham as the New Testament says. Amen. All the world will be blessed through his descendants. And, and Jesus is a direct descendant of of Abraham. But he was called to go on a physical journey, right? The children of Israel in the wilderness, Nehemiah 9 verse 12, it says, By day you led the Israelites with a pillar, pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the way they were to take. So as the Israelites went through the wilderness and, and came to the promised land, God again was taking them on a physical journey. Amen? You know, Jonah would be another example. He, he was called to go to Nineveh, wasn't he? And... and um, it was called to go to Nineveh and to call the people to repent. And Jonah has a very interesting <laughs> reaction to what God asked him to do. And he tries to run away, doesn't he? He ends up getting swallowed by a big fish. And, and, um, but God does end up using his life. And he does end up in the right place eventually. So this is another journey he's called to go on. The apostle Paul himself was called to go on physical journeys. There's a whole load of missionary journeys that Paul, that Paul did into, in, you know, across kind of what the known world was at that time, or the developed world at that time, you know, across... Uh, to, across Italy and, and to Greece and kind of all that kind of area, Turkey and, and across Israel itself. Paul was called on a whole load of missionary journeys, wasn't he? 
Acts 16, verse 9 to 10 says this. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So again, so Paul was called to, on specific physical journeys and, and to do that in obedience to God. So it can be that God may call us to go to a certain location. For example, missionaries. That's what missionaries do, right? They're called to go on a certain, uh, on a certain, um, certain journey. Now, Graham was just sharing with me. We didn't have to really have time to share it, but Graham was just sharing with me about some of the stuff he did with, with you know, open doors. And if you know kind of Graham's history, we'll get you to share on that stuff because it is amazing. It's powerful um, about stuff that, that Graham and, and his wife Jean, late wife Jean, did in, in terms of open doors and, and in terms of the persecuted church and all these journeys they were called on to go on across the world and into the you know, Soviet Union as it was, um, and other parts of the kind of where, where Christianity is really, really oppressed and, and still is in, in many areas. And so they were called to go on a physical journey, right? Amen? And there are missionaries all around the world who are called to go on physical journeys. as missionaries we support as a church in, you know, in different, different places in Brazil and, and Africa and, and Philippines and, and other places. So there are people who have been called to go on a physical journey and to give up their lives in, in that way. But that probably isn't what most people do, right? It's certainly a specific calling for some people. But for most of the time, when the Bible is talking about paths and roads, it's talking about the course of our lives rather than actual physical destination and in order for our lives to take a healthy course or a healthy journey you know the reality is we have to make wise choices i would agree <laughs> we have to make wise choices in order for our lives to take a healthy course we have to make wise choices now the christian life and the success of the christian life i'm a great believer in this and i believe it's what scripture teaches the, the success of the christian life is a product of our choices and our decisions everyone agree it's a product of our decisions and our choices. It's not a coincidence that some Christians are really successful for God and some aren't so successful. Now, I know sometimes bad stuff can just happens and, and that's kind of part of, sometimes just part of life, I get that. Of course, that's a, that's a real thing. But ultimately, you know, how successful you are as a Christian is going to come down to your own decisions and your own choices, how you react to situations, how your attitude is in situations. This, this is right, amen? This is, this is, this is truth. It's, it's challenging, but it's, but it's, it's truth. You know, the reality is some choices in life are far more important than others, aren't they? Some choices aren't, aren't that important. What house are you live in? Well, maybe that's not that important. Nice if you live in a, great, a nice house, great. But it's, maybe it's not that important. You know, the decisions you make in terms of your Christianity, they're incredibly important. Amen? How you react to situations, how you, how you deal with temptation. Amen? The choices that you make are, are incredibly, incredibly important. You know, in Proverbs 4... The great book of wisdom, we're instructed to give careful, careful thought to the paths that we take. And this is the one that was on the screen. It's kind of like part of our theme, to kind of sum up this theme. Proverbs 4, verse 26 says this Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So we're encouraged in this great book of wisdom to give careful thought to your paths. Think about it, pray about it, but give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. You know, because the reality is there are alternative paths in life. And Jesus talked a lot about this. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, his, his famous words, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, 
and only a few find it. So Jesus was illustrating this about there are, there are different paths in life, aren't there? There are different paths that we can take. You know, and our, and our enemy, the devil, he has a path that he would like to lay out for us and traps that he wants us to fall into and, and to, go, to go off course and go off track. So we just have to have our eyes open about this to make sure we're staying on the right path, the road that leads to life. Amen? Only a few find it. What, what, what Jesus was talking about there doesn't mean that thousands, millions aren't going to be saved and are saved and have been saved historically. But it's just saying so many people, they don't make the right choices. So only a few sometimes, sometimes find it. I don't know if anyone's read the book Pil- Pilgrim's Progress. Anyone read Pilgrim's Pro- Progress? I read that? Leave me on my own up here. Anyone read it? Wow. <laughs> Watch the film. Okay, great. They did a film quite recently, didn't they? Um, but it's, it's a, I'd really encourage you to read Pilgrim's Progress. It's, it's a legendary Christian book written by a guy called John Bunyan probably about 400 years ago or so. It's a pretty, pretty old, old book. You can still, you'd have to buy 400-year-old <laughs> copies of it. Okay, it's still published. Okay. And they've put it all into modern English because it's like Shakespearean English as it would be from that era. Um, so they put it all into modern English, okay, so it's easier to understand. But it all, it's all about the life of a Christian and kind of the journey he goes on, all these distractions there are and temptations that, that, that come his way. And it's really, really good to talk about how to, you know, how to overcome uh, in life and to get to our ultimate journey, which is, which is our ultimate destination, which is heaven. Amen? So I'd encourage you to read it if you've never read it. I read it when I was a teenager. And it really, really blessed me and challenged me in lots of different, lots of different ways. So, but there's different pathways laid out in front of us, and we have decisions to make. So as a loving father, God, of course, has our best in mind. Amen? Because he's, he's, a, he's a loving dad. He's, he's a loving father. He always has our best intentions in mind. His will for us is perfect. Amen? God desires that we make wise choices in order to take his path for our lives. Amen? God has a path laid out for us, and that's the path he, he desires for us to take. So there's kind of two things that we mean here by God's path for our lives. This is what we'll unpack it over the next two weeks in more detail. But what do we mean by that, that God has a path for our lives? That sounds great, very spiritual, but what does that, what does that mean on a, you know, on a practical sense? What does that mean, that God has a path for our lives? So what I would say is that there's two aspects to this. Firstly, it means walking in the ways of God's kingdom. Understanding we're part of a new kingdom. We've come out of the dominion of darkness. We're part of the kingdom of light. That the kingdom of God is totally countercultural. It was it was two thousand years ago. It's still total totally countercultural. That we walk in the ways of God's kingdom. The world does what the world does, and those in the dominion of darkness do what the dominion of darkness does. But we're we're in the kingdom of light. Amen. The kingdom of the Son of His love. We're part of a completely different kingdom, which has a totally different culture to how the world works and operates. So what do we mean by God's path for our lives? We mean walking the ways of God's kingdom, firstly, and secondly, about taking God's specific path for our lives. Amen? So there's kind of two aspects to it. Okay? So firstly, this is to kind of, as we're just doing an intro this morning, look at the ways of God's kingdom. So what does it mean? So we're talking about these two aspects of God's path for our lives. His, his will for our lives, his specific path, and about walking in his ways. Amen? So God desires for you to walk according to the ways of his kingdom. You know, God is, God is not a killjoy. Does anyone ever know that? God is not a killjoy. God is not out to ruin your life. In fact, he is out to bless your life. He's not out to, 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 to make your life just a, a, miserable, a miserable time where you just struggle with everything and, and everything's a battle. That's not God's intention for you, but your, God's intention for you to be victorious. But he has very much got a different ways that his kingdom works. And he's not out to be a killjoy and to ruin your fun. Remember, he's a loving father. Amen? 
you know, as a loving father, he has, God has opinions on how we live our lives. Sorry if that's, a, if that's controversial, <laughs> but it shouldn't be if you've ever read the Bible, that God has opinions on how we live our lives, right? Is that true? You know, as parents, here we are on Mother's Day, as, as parents, um, and if you haven't got kids, you know, we all were kids, so we kind of know the principles, how it works. You know, we have, we have views of what our kids should and shouldn't do, shouldn't we? You know, especially when, especially when they're really young kids, you have a, they have a lot to learn, don't they? They don't really understand right from wrong. They don't understand what's safe and what isn't. And all those kind of things you have to teach, teach kids. You know, a, a toddler would go and play on a road if, if you allowed them to, wouldn't they? They wouldn't have no sense of danger whatsoever, for example. So you have to, you have to teach them that. <laughs> they, can't, they can't do that. Or you have to hold their hand or whatever you have, you have to do. You have to understand that a road, is, a road can be a dangerous, a dangerous place, right? That's all part of being, you know, of good, good parenting. And it's, just, it's the same with God. God is not just a good parent. He's a perfect parent. Amen? And, and when, he, when he kind of uh, says about these are the ways of the kingdom, it's not to make a rule-based Christianity, because we know it's not religious. It's about a relationship. But it is about our protection. Amen? And stopping us to go down dangerous roads that God has no intention for us to go down. Amen? So God wants you to walk according to the ways of his kingdom. So this, this, this way of his kingdom is the path of righteousness, or right living, we could call it. We, we are able to take this path as believers because we've been made righteous before God through our faith in, in Jesus. Yet it's a daily choice to walk on the path of righteousness. Even today, even when you go home today, there, there could be an unrighteous path before you and there could be a righteous path before you. Some decisions you have to make or some, maybe some temptations you have to face or whatever it may be. You, even today, you may have to make some big daily choices, right? Let's be real about this stuff. It's a daily choice to walk on the path of righteousness. But as we do that, as we do that, we live on that right path, we choose a path that leads to a blessed, flourishing, and prosperous life. Amen? Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 to 20, it lays out what's the choice that was before the Israelites as they, as they were about to go into the promised land, and they kind of had their crazy up-and-down journey of... of um, you know, Jesus is, uh, Jesus, God's amazing miracles, but Jesus is involved, Jesus is part of the Godhead, you know what I'm saying, God's, God's amazing miracles through the ten plagues of Egypt, and how he brought the Israelites um, out of Egypt, and then they kind of had their real up and down journey, didn't they, they started kind of got to the wilderness, and they, so some of them, or a lot of them started to complain, and, and then Moses went off to get kind of up Mount Sinai to get the ten commandments, they started moaning, why is he up there so long, why hasn't he come back, they made a golden calf, didn't they, the earth swallowed half of them up. Um, in, in God's righteous, righteous anger. And then they started kind of a whole up and down journey. A whole load of them didn't enter the promised land. A whole generation didn't enter the promised land because they wouldn't trust, trust God in all. Only Joshua and Caleb, of course, came back with a good report, didn't they? When the 12 spies, 12 leaders who were sent out, only two out of the, two out of the 12 came back with a good report. It was like, God's given us his land. Let's go for it. But 10 of them were like, well, maybe God's given us his land, but, but there's giants there. It's scary. Uh, this is awful, we should have stayed in Egypt. <laughs> and so they kind of had a whole crazy up and down journey and eventually they end up in the promised land. But this is kind of what's laid out before the Israelites. It's interesting, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 to 20, it says this. I read from New Living Translation here, but now listen. So let's listen. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter and occupy. 
It's very, very clear, isn't it? God's laying out very clearly here the choices they had. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, that I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. It's kind of a no-brainer here, isn't it? <laughs> Which choices to make, but God's laying this out clearly. Verse 19, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth the witnesses to, to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's a real clear choice here, isn't it? It couldn't, it couldn't be any clearer as to what God was saying here. And you really see the heart of God for people in this passage. The heart of God for the Israelites and the heart of God for, for us in this. God said, oh, that you would choose life. Everything within, you know, you know, God has given us free will. Other than Jesus himself, I would say this is the greatest gift that God has given the human race. Jesus is the greatest gift. But other than, other than Jesus, the greatest gift is, is free will. You know, we're not, we're not robots. We, we, can, we can choose to do what, you know, we can choose to do what we want, and the world chooses what the world chooses, right? But it's a gift that God's given the human race. He doesn't want people to worship him because they have to. He wants people to worship him because they choose to. Amen? God has given us all free will. But what he says is, oh, that you would choose life. As he laid out these decisions before them and these two pathways before them, oh, that you would choose life. God was desperate for them to choose life. It was still their choice. But God was desperate for them to choose life. That's God's heart for us, amen? He wants you to choose life. He wants you to bring in life. He wants you to have life, and as John 10.10 says, life and life more abundantly, life to the full. That's God's desire and plan for your life. But whether that actually happens in your life is actually down to you and the choices that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. You see, the key here is it makes it clear. It's the key to taking God's path. And it says this in verse, in verse 20. It's to love him, obey him, and commit ourselves firmly to him. Amen? This is the key to taking God's path, to love him, put him first, obey him, and commit ourselves firmly to him. Amen? In Matthew 11, it gives a really clear picture of what happens when we love Jesus, obey him, and commit ourselves firmly to him. When we make those choices, that in life, and all the temptations, all the, all the things of life, and distractions of life, that we're going to, above all, we're going to love Jesus. We're going to obey Jesus and commit ourselves firmly to him. Amen? Matthew 11 gives a picture of this. So this is uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give, my, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Amen? Now, if we're feeling burdened in life, maybe right now you're feeling burdened, you feel weighed down, you feel like you're, uh, you know, life is just is, is hard going and, and is difficult, and you just feel burdened just by everything. You know, that is not God's intention for you. That is not God's plan for you. Amen? And situations may be what the situations are. We still just have to deal with the realities of life as, as believers. But God does not want you to feel burdened by it all. Jesus is very clear here. Come to me if you're feeling weary and burdens. I will give, my, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hopefully we know the principle of what, what a yoke was. He's not talking about an egg yoke, not that sort of yoke. 
Easter coming up, you know, that's a egg yolk. Okay. A yolk would be what, a, a, what oxes who kind of used to do kind of like all the farm work then. Obviously, the internal combustion engine was like 2,000 years away. <laughs> so, so they had to get horses and ox and others to do kind of like the hard, the hard labor and you know, pulling carts and plowing and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'd have a yoke, would be this wooden thing that would, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, I haven't got a picture of it, but I'm sure you can picture it in your mind, or you've seen pictures of it before, of this yoke, this kind of, this wooden kind of brace, so to speak, that would, that would be on, on two ox, um, so they kind of carry the load together. You know, it's where the whole principle of horsepower comes from, isn't it? In the way we measure, we measure the power of engines. The whole thing of horsepower, you know, uh, a vehicle that's 200 horsepower, that's basically got the same power as 200 horses. That's the principle of where that's come from. It's not just a made-up made up term. You know, a principle when in, in the old days where you would have had a, like a cart which might have been pulled, pulled by like four horses, well, that was four horsepower, right? That's the principle where this all comes from. So you've got 200 horsepower in your car. That's like having 200 horses <laughs> pulling your car. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Just like 200 horses on the front of your car and see what happens. Anyway, but this is the principle of how was with, with uh, two ox or two oxen as they, they carried this yoke upon them was to make the burden for the other ox a lot easier. So this is what Jesus is talking about here. And remember, remember a lot of people that Jesus spoke to were involved in agriculture. That was kind of like the main industry of that time. So. Jesus would often use kind of agricultural terms so that people could understand what he was referring to. So what Jesus was saying here is, you may feel burdened, but I want to help you carry that burden. Like this, this ox, I've got this yoke, but I, I, don't want this, I don't want you to be burdened down by life. I want to help you carry this heavy, heavy burden. Amen? And often in, in, in a farming terms, what they would do is they'd have a, kind of a mature ox, the one that kind of knows what it's doing, basically. You know, it's been, been trained. In Britain, we kind of used shy horses was like our equivalent in, in the olden days before tractors and the like were invented. It's kind of what we'd use because they were kind of like the big, powerful horses. But anyway, in those days, an ox, they'd have like a mature ox who kind of knew what it was doing and they'd have a kind of a younger one which they're kind of training up. They put the two together and that's how it is like with us and Jesus. He's a mature one who knows what he's doing, right? And Jesus calls us to come alongside or come alongside him and to give our yoke over to him and to let him kind of do all the pulling power and to train us in that to make sense. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of powerful stuff, and this analogy could be a whole kind of message in itself, really. But Jesus calls us to come to him, to kind of join ourselves to him, join with the yoke, couple ourselves to him, and learn to walk his path. And as we do that, we'll find, we'll find rest. And, and our burdens or our responsibilities that we carry in life will become much lighter. Amen? This is why so often, uh, this, is, this is my uh, observation and experience of, uh, dealing with pastoral care, sometimes people just become o- totally overwhelmed in life. And maybe you feel overwhelmed in your life right now. So what I encourage you to do is to come to Jesus. He does not want you to feel overwhelmed. He doesn't want you to feel burdened. He doesn't want you to feel like you're not getting anywhere. You're kind of like you know, walking, in, walking in treacle. God does not want you to, f- to feel like that. Amen? Yoke yourself to him. Come to him. And he will share that burden with you and show you how to walk through that, through that path. Amen? And we find rest for our souls. So that's, that's kind of talking about the ways of God's, God's kingdom. So like I said, we'll unpack these two things over the next, next few weeks. And then secondly, remember we're talking about what does it mean to live God's path for our lives? So to live his ways. And secondly, that to, to walk through God's specific path for our lives. Now, God has a very specific path and purpose and a, a perfect will for your life. Amen? So as we walk according to the ways of God's kingdom, taking the path of righteousness or, or living right, 
we will align ourselves with God's specific path for our lives. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, two of my favorite verses in the Bible, because I think they're always challenging. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God has a, has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Everyone know that, right? There's a perfect will he, he desires for you to live out. Again, he's not going to force it, because cause God's given us free will. That's, it's a gift. He's not, he's not going to force anything. Now, there might be consequences if we go, of course, and that almost certainly probably will be. But God's not going to make you do it. But he has his perfect path laid out for your life. Amen? Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the New Living Translation, it's worded like this. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we're created, we talk about this a lot at family church, we're created by and we're created for. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10, it lays all that out that we're created by God and we're created for God. We're not, we're not saved by works. We know that. We, 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 we totally believe that we're saved by faith. We know we're not saved by works. And some um, traditional aspects of Christianity sometimes go off a bit, if I can put it this way, kind of go off target on the, or off course on this a little bit. But they start to talk about being saved by works. No, we're not saved by works in any way, shape, or form. Nothing we could, nothing we could do. You know, so the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. Right? Nothing we could do could possibly meet God's standards. Right? This, is, this is the heart of Christianity, isn't it? Where you see all these religions are all trying to get God to like them or to, or to at least to stop being angry with them. Um, you know, that's kind of the whole aspect of how they work. But what we understand is, as believers, as Christians, is we cannot possibly meet God's standards. So basically, we should stop trying to meet the standards. <laughs> we should just give up on that and understand it's just all about Jesus, about what he's done on the cross. And he will empower us and equip us in righteous living. But we'll never, ever be able to meet God's standards in our own strength. We shouldn't even try to do it. Amen? But, so be created by and we're created for, but we are called to do good works. Once we are saved, we are called to do good works. They're not saving us. The faith of that works is dead. That's what James talks about in the book of James. Faith of that works is dead. So there should be works in our life, because if we've been saved, and it, it should produce fruit in us. Amen? If it's not producing any fruit, you kind of think, well, what's going on here? Right? But it's not in any way saving us. Okay? So we're God's masterpiece. We're created new in Christ Jesus. We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has his will planned out for our lives. So these passages are talking about God's will for our lives specifically. He has a plan for each one of us individually. That plan is good, acceptable, and perfect. And the key to taking God's specific path for your life is to love him wholeheartedly. Amen. To put him first. uh, Jesus was asked, wasn't he, about the the greatest commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and mind and strength, which is is a quote from, from the Old Testament. To put God first. All of your mind all of your soul, uh, all of your strength, all of your being, all, all that you are, to kind of sum that, sum that up. That's what Jesus was saying. Love your Lord your God with everything that you are. And that's the key to taking God's specific path for your life, to love him with all that you are. Our love for God compels us to present ourselves to him every day. As Paul wrote, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Surrendering our lives to his will, making ourselves available for his purposes. Now the most powerful statement you can make as a Christian is not my will, but your will be done. It is. And, and we talk about this, don't we? We've talked about this as a lot of church, and we, we will continue to do that, you know, about the battle between our soul and our spirit and who's, who's in charge. 
is our, our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, which is still kind of like an ongoing <laughs> journey of sanctification, or is it our spirit, the spirit of who we are, which is perfect, is where the Holy Spirit dwells, we made new, the old is gone, and the new has come. And, you know, successful Christian living is all about making your, your soul subject to your spirit. Because if you're led by your mind and your will and emotions, you're going to be all over the place. You're going to make bad decisions, um, and, and right living is not going to be top of your priority list. But when, when we make our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions subject to our spirit, that's when you see successful Christian living. Amen? Praise God. So the most powerful statement you can make is not my will, but you will be done. You know, Jesus, in, in what we term the Lord's Prayer, it's not what Jesus called it, but it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. You know, Jesus talks about it, didn't he? He said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done, if I can kind of paraphrase just slightly, let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Because I believe that's the essence of what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't just saying, well, just pray that God's will will be done across the earth, though we should pray that. But actually, it actually starts with us, doesn't it? Let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. And in, in heaven, God's perfect will always is accomplished. Amen? Everyone agree? Right? God's perfect will is always, always accomplished in heaven. So he said, as it is in heaven, well, let your perfect will be done in me. The most powerful statement you can make and make on a daily basis. Amen? You know, and of course, Jesus prayed those words himself, you know, as he faced the cross, didn't he? In the Garden of Gethsemane and all that he faced in Gethsemane. Don't worry, let's all just stay focused. Okay. But Jesus prayed those words as he faced the cross, didn't he? Let not, not, not my will be done, but God may your will be done. You know, that's what happened, it was happening in Jesus there, the, the battle between soul and, and spirit. And his mind and will and emotions. He knew all that was coming at the cross. But he said, not my will be done, God, but let yours be done. Amen? Praise God. What a great example that is to us. You know, Romans 12, we just read, also reminds us that although we live in the world, we should not be conformed to this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We know this world, it very much has a pattern and way of doing things, doesn't it? It's, kind of, it's just a free-for-all, isn't it? That's where our world is. You know, Jesus predicted it would be like that. He said, in the, you know, in the last days, it would be like the days of Noah all over again. It's just a free-for-all, isn't it? People just do whatever they want, whatever feels good. The world is very confused, and we've, we've talked about that a lot as a, as a church. And uh, our response to that is to rise up in that, amen? To understand this is a, a kairos time. The, the greater the darkness comes, the greater the light can shine, amen? But Romans 12 reminds us, although we live in this world, we should not be conformed to the world. Jesus said, didn't he say, you're in the world, but not of the world. You know, we're not all just going to go and live on, you know, as Christians get together and buy the Isle of Wight and just go and live in a big commune on the Isle of Wight. We could do that. <laughs> Doesn't really sound fun, does it? <laughs> but we could, we could do that. Okay. But that, would, that wouldn't be being in the world anymore, would it? Right? It would just be us as Christians having a great time somewhere else. But we are, supposed, we are called to be in the world and have to go into all the world, aren't we, to make disciples of all nations, as Jesus says in Matthew 28. We are in the world, but we're very much not of the world. Amen? So as we, align, as we learn the ways of God's kingdom, we'll align ourselves with God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. So we're going to kind of unpack some. I'm just going to kind of end it there, really, because we're going to unpack this more in the next, next two, week, two weeks and, and look, at these, look at these specifically. What is God's specific path for our life? What is God's path out for your life? What does it mean to, to live in a righteous sense, to live out the ways of his kingdom, to take the right paths? Amen? I just want to just want to encourage you as your, your pastor to say, choose life. On a daily basis, choose life. You know, the, the devil will always lay traps out before you. 
And I've got you to do this before, and I'm not going to get you to do it again, but I'm just going to use it as, a, as, as an example. I, I asked you to do all this once, but just, to, was just to close your eyes. But, I mean, you can't think about it. You don't need to close your eyes, but you can't think about it. And think about what are the greatest temptations you face in life? What is the greatest temptation? There will be, there will be one, if not several. But what is the greatest temptation you face in life? What's the biggest thing you struggle in terms of righteous living? What's the biggest thing you battle, you battle with? You don't need to stand up or come down the front or admit it. Okay, so I'm going to come up on the screen. Mike, here's your, here's your one, Mike. I don't know why I picked on you, Mike. I was just looking at you at the time. Okay. That's, not, that's not a word from God. Okay, so don't worry. Okay, but that, you know, I don't want mine to be up there either. Okay, so we're all in the same boat. Anyway, but, but just have a think about that. What is the, what's the greatest thing that you battle with? Now, that is a, now, the reason I'm getting you to think about that, because we don't want to start focusing on sin, but the reason I'm getting you to think about that is that's the thing the devil is going to hammer you with and bombard you with and make your life incredibly difficult with. Right? Have you read about this stuff? That's the thing the devil is going to totally bombard you with and try and trip you up uh, to lay traps. So often we fall straight into the devil's traps. We're so, we're so blind to what the devil's doing sometimes. And when they straight, we run, walk straight into the devil's traps. So the devil will always try and lay out other paths for us. I just want to just encourage you to choose life. Amen? Every day. Today, choose life. Tomorrow, choose life. Tuesday, choose life. Throughout this week, choose life. Amen? Because as, as, you, as you do that, God will direct your steps on that path that he has for you. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are so good. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, that in, in, in everything, Lord, you, you always have the best intentions for us. Lord, you are the perfect loving Father on this Mother's Day, and we're grateful for all our natural mothers, Lord God, but you are a perfect dad and a perfect parent. And we thank you, Lord, for that reality. Lord, everything you do, Lord, is for our good, Lord, and for our best. Lord, that you desire to see us succeed. And your encouragement, Lord, as it was there in Deuteronomy, Lord, your encouragement, Lord, is to choose life. Lord, so, Lord, we desire to be a body of people, Lord, that choose your life. In those choices that are laid out before, before us, Lord, to choose your life. Lord, to choose Lord, success in you and what you call success. Lord God, and if we're feeling burdened, Lord, I thank you that we can come to you. And, Lord, you will share those burdens with us and you will lead us on the right path, Lord God. Lord, help us just to live out the ways of your kingdom. Lord, I pray we'll be set apart for you. Lord, we'll be living sacrifices before you. I pray, Lord, that those that we work with, our, our, colleague, our work colleagues, our communities, where we find ourselves, Lord, they will see something different about us. Lord, that we truly will be people who are in the world, but not, we're not trying to distance ourselves from being in the world, Lord, but we'll be people who are in the world, but we will not be of the world. I pray there'll be t- people of a different spirit, Lord, that people will see there's something radically different about us, Lord God. Lord, and will ask us, Lord, about what, what it is, what it is that's different. Lord, but help us to live out the ways of your kingdom. Help us to deal with temptation. Help us to take thoughts captive. Lord, in those traps that the devil bombards us with and lays out before us, Lord, that we'll make great decisions. We'll take thoughts captive, Lord. We'll, we'll distance ourselves. Lord, we'll, we'll get out of that situation. Whatever we need to do in, in, in order to avoid ourselves falling into that trap, Lord, help us to be victorious in a Christian life. Lord, and that's got your specific path for our lives. Lord, we don't want to miss your will. Lord, we don't want to go off track. We don't want to do what is our own will, or we don't want to go down a, a path that the devil's laid out before us. Lord, we want to live out your, your good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. 
And I pray that it would be so, Lord, so clear this next step ahead. Thank you, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray just your word will light up our path. Lord, we don't need to know what the next hundred steps are, Lord, but we need to know what the next step is and to make the, make the next step, Lord, the right one in your will. Lord, use us for your purposes. Use us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. You're such a great God. Lord, but we choose life. Lord, and we choose to go your way. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. But everyone's just still standing. I just want to give an opportunity. Just for anyone who's here this morning who doesn't yet know God, or maybe you've just gone off, gone off track, as we've talked a lot about paths. Maybe you've gone down a path that God never intended for you, or a, a path that the devil's laid out for you, or maybe just your own kind of... Uh, your own choices have led you to go down a, a path that was never God's, God's heart for you. You know, and the great news is there's no condemnation this morning. God just, God's just, just desperate for you to get back on the right path, like with the prodigal son who'd gone down a, a terrible path that God had no intention for him. And his loving father had no intention for him, but then he welcomed him back with open arms when he realized the error of his ways and came back and, and asked, for, asked for forgiveness. You know, and that's God's heart for you this morning. That's why Jesus told that story, to reflect his heart and to show what the heart of the Father is. He's desperate for you to come back. And if you don't yet know God or you just need to get back on the right path and you know that you're, you're going off course, you're going on a path that's not his good, pleasing and perfect will, then you can just come back this morning. There's no condemnation, there's no judgment. He's just desperate to have you back. That's his heart for you. If that's you this morning, I just, just encourage you just to pray this, pray this prayer. In fact, let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for me. Thank you for coming to earth to die on a cross for me so that I could have life and life to the full. I choose to live out your path for my life. I want to live for you. I want you to change me and to make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you've never prayed a prayer like that before, you're just getting some things back on track. This is just between you and God. It's not about anybody else. It's just between you and the Father this morning. I just want you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I've prayed that prayer. And we're asking you to respond so we know they've responded in your heart, but just so we can chat with you and pray with you afterwards. We'd love just to talk more about that and just to support you on the journey. Is anyone this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Lord, use us for your glory. Use us for your purposes. You're such a wonderful, wonderful God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.